There's no Pinterest perfect family. All of our families are awkward. Thank you for joining Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast of My Awkward Family, designed to knock some of the awkward out of all of us. What what's your goal in raising kids? Like some days some days it's like day to day. If you can get through that day without doing anything that you regret, that that's uh, that's your goal. Like last two three weeks for us, man, from physical uh, physical ailments to, to 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 sickness to not sleeping well. I mean, every little thing has become an irritant, and you've just got you're just like Ugh, constantly frustrated, and, and it seems like the littlest stuff that just blows up into something big. You just you just want to get through the day without doing anything you regret or anything that's going to like scar the kid for life and, and, and things like that. But when you can actually look up and have a vision for how you want your kids to, to or what kind of adult you want your kids to be, what does that look like? Let me, let, let me tell you something. For, for quite a while, the goal has kind of been to raise moral kids like that go to church and have prayed a prayer, or maybe give some tithe, maybe go on a mission trip or two, you know, nice moral kids. Look, see... We need to have a bar that's higher than that. We need to have a goal that's higher than that. Because if we just produce moral kids, we put, we put it in autopilot and just let it ride out. We're kind of taking a shift in this series, My Awkward Family, and shifting from the uh, marriage relationship more to the parenting relationship. But if you do not have kids... Because because uh, you're not married, uh, because you uh, are married but don't have kids, or because you are empty nesters, or however that looks because you don't have kids, I'd still need you to, to keep listening to this. Because raising up the next generation is the most vital thing a church can do. And that takes everybody. It starts with the parents, but we need other adults to give in to the next generation. So, Please, for, for the next two re- weeks, consider yourself a parent. Consider yourself a, a surrogate, adoptive, discipling parent. For those of you that are parents, you have kids living in the home. Your primary task isn't to raise moral kids. It's to, raise, it's to disciple your kids and raise up, hear, and follow adults. And we're shifting in the story as well. We're shifting from Elkanah uh, and Hannah and Samuel, that family, that awkward family, to a family that was far more awkward than, than those three. And the reason why they were far more awkward is that they didn't have imperfect faith. They, they didn't have faith at all. But the ironic thing about this story is that this is the priest family. Eli. He's the, he's, the, he's the priest of, of, of Israel, but he is old and advanced in years. So his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, his sons do the day-to-day, day-to-day activities. But see, the thing is, is that despite the fact that they were the ones that were the priests, the ones that were supposed to be leading people to God and leading people to have faith in God, they themselves, they didn't have faith in God. The writer of 1 Samuel, which probably wasn't Samuel, he was a, he was a guy that came, came later and compiled all these stories to tell the history of the nation of Israel. As he introduced these guys into the story, Eli's sons into the story, this is the first thing he said about Eli's sons. 1 Samuel 2.12, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about your, um, your obituary or your eulogy, what you want people to say about you at the time that you die, or if you get so lucky that you make a history book, 
what you would want somebody to, 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 to start off saying about you, but I would guarantee you that it's not that you don't want them to start off saying, man, he was, he was worthless. She was worthless. But the writer of the history of Israel started off with these two men saying about them, they were worthless men. And the thing is, is that Eli allowed them to get that way. Let's take a look behind the curtain on, 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 on how they became worthless men and how Eli parented, or really didn't parent, to, to, to allow that to happen. Now, going back to talking about the goal of parenting, I'm guessing that your goal isn't, man, you know what, when my kids get, get to be adults, I want them to be worthless. I want people to look at them and go, those guys are worthless. That girl is worthless. I'm guessing that is not your goal. And that wasn't Eli's goal either. But because of his autopilot mentality, that's where these men ended up. So let's take a look into the story, see how we can prevent this for ourselves. The, 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 the writer of Samuel goes on to say they did not know the Lord. The, the sons of Eli didn't know the Lord. Eli did not train them up in knowing the Lord and having a relationship with the Lord. I mean, he was the priest of all people, right? He should be the one that knows what it looks like to have a relationship with the Lord and, and to lead them in having a relationship with the Lord. But, but he doesn't. They did not know the Lord at all. And I mean, this rings true. I mean, this rings close to home for, 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 for our family, right? Because, man, I've got four preacher's kids, right? We all know the jokes about preacher's kids. You know, they're the rebellious ones, and they're the hellions, and all of this, that, and the other. Look, if I put myself in autopilot parenting, if I focus more on the church than I do parenting, if, if, if I just think that they're going to be fine because I'm a pastor... I've got it way wrong. And if, and if we think because we are parents that go to church who are Christians, that they're going to get it just because we're Christians, that our kids are going to get it just because they're Christians, we've got it way wrong. We have to train them to have a relationship with the Lord. Look, we're, what direction is our heart bent? Our heart is bent away from God from birth. And if we do not train our kids up in the Lord to follow Jesus, to hear and follow Jesus, to have that relationship, if we don't train them intentionally, they're going to walk away. They're going to walk. But you may say, I, I take them to church. Great. At best, you probably, they are in church 52 hours out of the entire year. It's great to take them to church. That is a part of training them in what it looks like to have a relationship with God. But if that's what you rely on, that is 52 hours out of the year. That's not enough. You've got to be doing this inside the home. And look, 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 look. I've talked to you about this. It's going to be imperfect. It's going to be awkward. Look, last night when we sat down to read the Bible for, I think, the first time all of last week, and well, technically that's the new week, but in, in seven days, that might have been the first time we did that in seven days because of the sickness and some of the stuff I was talking to you about. I had to send one of them to their room. Because they were bothering people all day long and they kept bothering people while we're sitting down or trying to read the Bible. I sent him to his room. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be imperfect. But are you trying to train them up in the relationship? 
with God. Eli didn't. He put it in autopilot. And then because of that, the, 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 the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, their actions made it evident they did not have a relationship with God. The writer of Samuel kept going to, t- to, to tell about a couple of specific stories on, 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 to give a picture of how worthless these men were. They first of all they when um, when when people would bring sacrifices they would they would be over the sacrifice they would stand over the sacrifice and administer, administer the sacrifice and and they were supposed to be guys that that led these people in sacrificing to God uh, and, and and so that they can have forgiveness from God this was a part of their relationship with God and and what would happen is that. When they brought their sacrifice, they would slit the throat of their sacrifice to, to, to kill it and, and let it bleed out. And then they would basically, they would essentially, the, you deer hunters know, you, they, they, they would gut the animal. They would separate the meat from the fat and the entrails. They would boil the fat and the entrails and they would save the meat for the sacrifice. And as, as they were boiling the, 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 the fat and the entrails, the boughs, the, the the sons of Eli would come in, take a fork, stick it into the boiling, essentially stew, and whatever came out, they would take. Now, this isn't what God wanted. In fact, God himself later said, or the, the story reads, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. They were, they were, the, the Lord was basically holding them in contempt of their offering. These people were coming to worship the Lord, to, 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 to have a relationship with the Lord, and to ask for forgiveness. This was a serious thing for them. And they were treating it with contempt. I was trying to think of a modern-day parallel because you don't bring animals into church to, to sacrifice. I was thinking of a modern-day parallel with, and this is what I would come up with. This is what I came up with. Imagine you come to church, you're ready to worship, you're excited to worship, you're excited to be there, and, and, and you're ready. You're ready with everything. You're, you're, you're ready with the tithe, and you're going to give a tithe and everything. And as you came in, it was a strange request, but you're like, okay, whatever. We requested you to keep your purses and your jackets out in the cafe uh, at, at the coat hang. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. I haven't really done that before, but all right, whatever. And so you go through worship, and it was a good worship and everything, and then you come out, and as you go to as you go to eat, you get into your wallet, and you find that there's money missing. Like, what's going on? And you start talking around with people, like, yeah, my money was missing too. My money was missing too. And 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 then you come to find out that we kept you we kept your coat and your purse out there because because we went through them. And we took your money. We, you know, we're tied on money and everything. We we needed a tithe, so we we took your we took your money. We took your we took your 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 your, your sacrifice and held it in content before the Lord. I hope you're a little bit mad. I hope there's a little bit of mm, rising up in you. This is what the sons of Eli did to those sacrifices. That's the same thing. Now look. We're not going to ask. We're not going to do this, okay? That's why I could use this as an illustration. We're, that's not what we're going to do because the Lord, man, they, he viewed this in very bad light. But what's the deal? What's the deal? They were impulsive. They were impulsive and they felt entitled. They were impulsive and they felt entitled. So they took what they wanted. Then later on we see, 
we see a part of the story is that the sons of Eli was having sex with the, 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 the young ladies that were helping out with the tabernacle, helping out, serving in the tabernacle, and serving people. They were using their position to gain, to get sex from these young women who were just trying to serve the Lord. Look, they were entitled, and they were impulsive. They were entitled, and they were impulsive, and Eli did nothing about it. Oh, the story says he was like, stop that, you need to stop that, but he did nothing about it. Look, this was punishment worthy of death, but he did nothing. He did nothing to get them past their selfishness. Now, let's, let's talk, let's talk. How do babies come out of the womb? They come out selfish, right? They come out entitled. They come out, uh, they came, they come out impulsive. I want food and I want it now! Right? They cry. I'm dirty and I, I want to be changed now! Right? Right, right, right? And for the first 18 months or so, that's survival instinct, right? That's a part of what, what helps keep them alive. But at some point in time, we have to train them out of this. Now listen. It has to be grounded in this relationship with the Lord. The, the heart has to be with the Lord. We have to be training them to, to pursue the Lord. But as they are pursuing the Lord, what has to happen? The selfishness, the impulsiveness, the entitlement has to be disciplined around. Now, when I say discipline, don't think. Belt, spanking discipline. Think. Waiting for something greater. Look, when we take, when we take because we are impulsive, when we take because we feel entitled, that is the mirage of life. It is a mirage of life that, that we believe that we're taking, we are getting life because we are taking this. We are taking the, the, the entitlement of provision or we're impulsive, so we're taking sex and, 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 and that's going to bring us life. That is a mirage of life because that always will bring hurt. That'll bring hurt to you. That'll bring hurt to others. But see, here's the deal. God wants to give us, God wants to give our kids abundant life. Look, the sons of Eli. God didn't say he, he wasn't going to provide. Here's how he was going to provide for the priests. The priests, they didn't go out and work. They didn't go out and, and, and have a skill skill or trade that they, that they earned money by doing that skill or trade. They were full-time in the tabernacle. And the way God provided was two main ways. One, was the tithe. They would, people would bring the tithe and part of that would go to the family of the priests. But also the second, the second was the sacrifice. When the sacrifice was over, they got to pick out of the meat that was sacrificed on a fire, basically barbecued up for them. They got to pick whatever they wanted and take that home for their family. The provision, the, 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 the deal with Eli's sons wasn't that, that they were taking stuff home, was that they couldn't wait long enough to take the portion home that they, that God was going to give them for their work. They just had to work at helping people find God and then they could take the provision home. And that was life. That was the abundant life God wanted to give. He wanted to give them a mission that they gave their life into and He wanted to provide for them through that mission. But they refused and they felt entitled because they were the priests. And the same thing with sex. They were impulsive and they felt entitled to the sex that they felt that was due them. God wasn't 
God didn't want to keep them from having sex. God wanted them to have abundant life with sex. And they weren't bringing abundant life. It was a mirage of life. They were bringing hurt to themselves, even though they didn't really know it at the time, and certainly to these young ladies. So parents, parents, are we training our kids to have a relationship with the Lord, but secondary to that, of a, as a part of that, are we training them not to be entitled and impulsive? <clears throat> are we training them up in that way? Because it is on our shoulders to train them up to not be entitled and impulsive. Now students, kids that are listening to this, I hope you're listening to this. And I want to say a couple things. One, I'm sorry. Because we have enabled you to be entitled and impulsive and allow you to, to, to just go get whatever your heart desires. And that's not what God wants. He wants freedom. He wants abundant life for you. But, but entitlement and, 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 and impulsiveness is a mirage of life. And I'm sorry that we've allowed you to do that because we have, we have raised up one of the most entitled, impulsive generations in a long time. But I think there's a second thing true of you. I think your heart cries out for something more. I've seen it in enough students. I believe your heart cries out for something more, but you don't know how to go get it because we haven't trained you for it. So as you're listening to this, I want you to know this. One, I want you to raise above and set the bar at a higher standard for yourself. And two, we want to be a church. We want to be a people from parents to other adults that walk alongside of, side you to train you to have a relationship with the Lord. And then as a part of that, as you are pursuing the Lord, that you are walking away from the selfishness, entitlement, and, 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 and impulsiveness that our heart desires. See, because we come out of the womb that way, right? Man, our kids, we've got four boys. If they want something, what do they do? They go take it. And if that doesn't work, what do they do? They'll punch somebody or kick somebody in the nuggets. They'll, they'll, they'll do whatever it takes to get what they want right now. Our hearts bent that way. And me as a parent, it is my job to train them to know the Lord, but as a part of that, to walk away from selfishness and the hurt that comes from the mirage of entitlement and impulsiveness. So what does this look like? What does this look like? I, I got this I got this from Dave Ramsey. This isn't this isn't actually Nicole got it first from Dave Ramsey of a book that she was reading and, 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 and Smart Money, Smart Children, Smart Children, Smart Money, something like that. Wrote wrote, wrote it with his daughter and and, and and got this from 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 them and we've we've implemented it and, and kind of put our own spin on it. But we don't give allowance. We don't give allowance. They don't get money for just breathing in our household. Now, they get food, they get shelter, they get basic needs covered, yes. But if they want money, they work. It's called commission. If they want money, they work for it. And they do a good job in their work. We have trained them in the work that we want them to do. For the older two boys, uh, uh, cleaning the, their bathroom taking the trash out on Monday nights, getting it ready for the, for the trash to pick up the next, next morning, and then uh, laundry. 
Sometimes they'll do it from start to finish. Sometimes we help them in the middle, but they always put away their laundry. If they work and if they do a good job, they get a dollar for every task they do. Noah, uh, his is to take the trash from the bathrooms to, 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 to collect it with the main, main trash and uh, putting away his laundry as well. And so, if they don't work, they don't get paid. And, and, and even Isaiah Isaiah knows there's something behind this. Our two-year-old, he knows there's something behind this. Because when we pull out that commission envelope and start giving dollar bills to our sons, he's standing there with his hand open going, one, 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 one. He doesn't exactly know what's going on, but he knows there's something special behind this. And look, if they don't work, they don't get paid. Noah, this past week, he, he refused to work. He refused to work. So instead... I pulled out the commission envelope, and I said, Isaiah, Isaiah, hey, look, Isaiah, I'll give you one if you go get the trash out of the bathrooms. What did he do? Bam, he was gone. He went to go get the trash out of the bathrooms, and, bring, and he brought him in, and I dumped him, and then I gave him the trash can back, and he went, and he, he, he put them back. Look, as early as two years old, you can start training this into your kids. That they're not entitled to get money. That they're not entitled to get provision. They're not entitled to get a reward. But, but instead, they work for that. But see, God wants to give abundant life through, through giving your life over to a mission. Now, our kids' mission isn't to, isn't to clean bathrooms. Or at least, I don't think it is. And so, how is this training them up for, for that mission? Look, as they get older. As they get older, and we keep t- talking to them about the relationship with the Lord, and, and that, that He wants them to have abundant life through a mission that they give their life to, and that He provides for them. As they become teenagers, they can start. They can start that as teenagers. Start poking in this direction as teenagers. Look, 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 100, 150 years ago, this is how they did it. The parents started training their kids early so that at 14, 15, 16, they could take over the family farm, the family business, and get married. And supply and, and, and find life through provision at 15 and 16 and 17 years old. Not so long ago. But now the apex of a 16-year-old's existence is being able to play video games. Look, students, I want you to rebel against that. I, this is a good reason to rebel, to rebel against mediocrity, to rebel against just having your hand out expecting money and expecting provision for sitting on your butt and to not work at school but still get the grades. Parents, parents, we cannot be parents that walk into the classroom and demand our kid gets an A just for showing up that walk into their workplace and demand a raise because they just show up and it doesn't matter that their work is crappy. Parents, we cannot be that parent. We have to be parents that train our kids to find life through giving their life into a mission. And it starts with you. Do you have this sort of life? Do you give this as an example? Yes, there's going to be up times and down times. I've gone through three weeks, three weeks of difficult, of, man, just getting up and going and doing something was difficult. But do you struggle through that and keep pursuing that? And if you're not, you know when a good time is to start? Right now, right here and right now. 
and then the sex thing. The sex thing, right? The sex talk, right? Uh -uh. Look, let's not have this. Uh, let's not have sex talks. Let's talk about sex, but let's not have sex talks. Let's talk about how God wants to give life through sex, abundant life through sex. Look, in the church, for so long, we've kind of we've kind of told students, we've kind of told kids, sex is bad. Having a sex drive is bad until you get to marriage. Look, you ain't gonna get to marriage if you don't have a sex drive. Okay, let's be honest. Let's be honest about all this. You're not gonna get there if you don't have a sex drive. So, so, just be honest. You're going to have a sex drive, but God wants to give you an abundance, an abundant life through one person and to give into that one person. If we do not talk them through this, what does entitlement plus impulsiveness plus a sex drive, what is that equal? Disaster, right? Absolute disaster. They will go and do something with their sex drive. We can either lead them in that, or we can ignore it, take it underneath the rug because it's a, it's a hard talk, it's a, it's a difficult subject, and we can allow them to take their impulsiveness and take their entitlement and take their sex drive and figure out what they're going to do with it because guaranteed somebody in some locker room is going to teach them what to do with their sex drive. Which do we want? And again, if we've blown it here, if we've blown it, if you're a student and have blown the sex drive thing and you've allowed your impulsiveness and entitlement to, to rule the day, if you're a parent and you've just swept it underneath the rug, what do you do? You start now. You repent and you start now. You, you, you go, God, I want something different. I want something better. I want abundant life, not the mirage of life that I'm chasing after right now. Because parents, sweeping under it underneath the rug is a mirage of life. Students, allowing your impulsiveness and your entitlement to rule the day is a mirage of life. God wants abundant life for you right now. This isn't something you have to wait for because if you seek abundant life, He will give it right now. You won't have the issue of the morning after. You won't have the issue of the emotional baggage. But again, grace says, grace says, says this, He will give you to you abundantly in your abundant need. And when we have failed, we have an abundant need because we need healing. And He will give to you in abundance when we come to Him with an abundant need. Because we are seeking life. Parents, we've got to teach them to find life. Students, we've got to pursue life at all costs. And how do we do this? I'm going to take a look at one more verse and really key in on one sentence of this verse. This is one of the most haunting verses of all the Bible. A prophet came to Eli with a word for the Lord. And the Lord is bringing judgment down on Eli and his family and his sons. And he tells Eli, I am going to kill both of your sons on the same day. That's part of the judgment. And your, your family line will end. You will no longer be a priest because you have, you have defamed my name. This is, this is taking the Lord's name in vain. 
This is it. And in the middle of this prophecy, the prophet says this, Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded? And honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel. Eli was complicit in, in, in allowing this to happen. Apparently he maybe even took part of the, 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 the food, the, the offering that was wrongly taken. But the haunting sentence in there is that you have honored your sons above me. Are we honoring our kids above our God? Are we allowing them to rule our schedule and rule our lives instead of us leading them? We're supposed to take care of our kids, but we are not servants and maids and butlers to our kids. We have got to set an example of honoring God above our kid. Our world cannot revolve around our kids. Because if they do, if our world revolves around our kids at two and three and four and five and seven, we will be the parent that will walk into the teacher's classroom and demand a better grade despite the fact that they haven't worked for it. We will be the parent that will walk into their place of work and demand a raise beside, uh, no matter the fact that their work is horrible. We will be that parent. If we decide to honor our kids above everything else. Do we take care of our kids? Yes. Do we love our kids? Yes. Do we cherish our kids? Yes. Do we rise above the, 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 the former standard of speak unless, you do not speak unless spoken to? Yes, we raise above that. But we cannot honor our kids above our God. Our kids need to have the example of us honoring God above all else, including them. That means we've got to have tough conversations. Eli refused to do the difficult thing as a parent. And God had to step in and take over. We've got to have some of the difficult conversations. And we've got to say no. And we've got to allow them to cry it out and throw their tantrums because we say no. But we have got to honor God above our kids. And if you failed there, look, the time is now. The time is now to turn around and decide to start honoring God above our kids. Now this does not start with sitting down your family and having a come to Jesus moment and laying down the law and this is how things are going to be. No. It starts with your repentance. It starts with you asking for forgiveness from your family for honoring something above God. Whether it's kids, whether it's money, whether it's your position, whether it's your work, whether it's laziness. Just sitting, sitting them down and asking their forgiveness for honoring something above God. And then if your kids are old enough, if your kids are students, ask them, I want, I want to know, how can we honor God better as a family? Look, 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 look. Your kids, 
Your students will come up with better answers than what you will come up with. They will be harder on your family than you will. You just have to ask them. They're not going to come out and just do it. You've got to lead them. You've got to ask them. And when they answer, you as a family, go do that so that you can start honoring God above all else. And look, it's going to be imperfect. It's going to be awkward. But you've got to make steps in this direction. Eli put it in autopilot, and he ended up with worthless kids that were adults. We cannot put it in autopilot. But we also, we also have to get this order right. We have to have a relationship with God first, and then train them not to be impulsive and entitled. If we start trying to train them impulsive, to, to not be impulsive and entitled, it will either lead to legalism in them, or they will see legalism in you and walk away from the church. You've got to honor God and have the relationship with God first. And lead them in that first. Are you going to be imperfect at it? Absolutely. You're going to have to ask forgiveness from your kids often? Absolutely. I do. Is it going to be awkward? Yep, but it's worthy because this is how we will produce adults who are here and follow disciples. This message is foundational to the message next week. We're going to take this a step further in the message next week and talk about what it looks like to have kids, to, to produce adults who hear and follow Jesus. But first, this week, do you need to repent? of something? Do you need to ask forgiveness from your family? Those of you that are adults but don't have kids in the home, look, 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 look. All of this is exactly the same. We need to teach them to find life. We need to teach them to honor God above all else, to have a relationship with Him. Who can you pick out and come alongside? Look, all kids need this, including kids that have stable, disciple-making parents. Kids need five, six, seven adults. In the best of homes, they need this to come alongside and disciple them. Who are you going to help disciple? We need to teach them to find life, abundant life. Not, a, not the mirage of life, abundant life. But we've got to teach them to honor God above all else and have a relationship with Him. And we'll take a look more into that next week. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. We invite you to join us on a Sunday at 10 a.m.